But when we as devotees, you know, show that yes, there is a way to handle pressure, there is a way to handle this office deadline, and we become and we keep calm and try to resolve it in a very non-conflicting way, it inspires others. And they will um, come and ask us. That situation yesterday was so conflicting. Everybody was pointing finger at each other, but you remained sober. What is inside you that kept you sober? Because they, no, as I said, it is inspiring, yeah. And when that opportunity comes, you can preach Krishna consciousness left, right, and center. You can tell them how bhakti gives us the guideline to become more pragmatic and more practical and more caring and more nurturing and more. Uh, peaceful and serene. It's a process that gives us joy and bliss. So that point in time you stop, start preaching. So first is to preach with our action and then preach with our words when they ask the question. But don't preach so much, you know, in a very hostile way that they start hating Krishna consciousness in, in families and in office environments. Yeah, that was my realization. Definitely never ever impose your bhakti on others. Bhakti is you know, of heart. You know, it's a loving exchange between us and the Lord. It's a, it's a matter of our heart. So, and that's why I was asking why do we pray Dandavats this way? That was the point. Because we are offering our heart. So it is not to be imposed on others. You, know, you must chant Hare Krishna otherwise I'll shoot you. No? That is not our way of preaching. Hmm? Our way of preaching is you know, we become devotees and by our action we impress others. So don't be hostile ever. Move away from the situation. Now then, so that was about more so, you know, in terms of, uh, let's say, uh, in a general setup. Let's talk about the other social convention, especially, you know, if we again come from, come from Indian background. Mm -hmm. Rituals. These are the things that I get asked a lot of times, you know, about participa participation in family traditions, family customs, family rituals. As devotees, do we go? Or do we don't participate? No? Because we have got our chanting to do, we have got our Bhagavatam to read, and we have got our prasadam. But what about all those traditional family commitments? If we go, it seems like that's non-devotional service. And if we don't go, then we may, you know, uh, then we may create divisions in the families. No? To say that these people are not interested in our tradition anymore. What is wrong with these Iskon devotees? You know? So that, that creates that rift. So how do we balance it? Again, uh, my own experiences. First point, we don't have to... Uh, rituals today has got a very negative connotation. Hmm? But rituals in themselves are not necessarily negative. Hmm? Uh, rituals are something that we go through every day. Hmm? When we graduate, the university might ask us to wear a particular type of gown. Now, that is ritual. Shaking somebody's hand is a ritual. So ritual is just part of life. But as devotees, you know, the adjustment that we need to make is just balance that ritual with the spiritual. Hmm? And how do we do that? We just convert that ritual into spiritual by adding the spirit to it. Which, you know, the family members might not be necessarily aware of why they are doing this. So if we can just add to it why we are doing it, it becomes devotion for us as well as devotion for them. And we understand that behind every ritual, you know, there is Krishna in the center. No. Let's say one of the rituals, you know, uh, that is very, uh, uh, one of the samsaras, you know, samkaras, samskars in India is to get wedding, you know, the, the viva samskar, you know, the wedding ceremony. And as devotees, we also get married. So that's also a ritual for us to do. Just because we are devotees doesn't mean we don't have to sit through the yagya and do the marriage ceremony. Yeah? So that's also a ritual in one sense. But for us, the center is Krishna. 
We chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra, you know, we put the Yajna Ayuti to Krishna. All those things is Krishna-centered is the difference. So when our families are performing, you know, the traditional rituals without Krishna in the center, it's okay for us to attend it. We don't have to create so much of a rift that, you know, we, 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 we present Bhagavad Gita and we represent Bhagavad Gita to them. So how we behave to them, we inspire them. So go is my recommendation. I don't know necessarily if this is the right answer to be honest, but in my honest recommendation, we can participate in those things with the view of spiritualizing the whole situation. You can definitely chant there, you know, on your mala. Or you can, uh, if there are 50 people present there, no, most likely one of them will come to you and ask you about yourself, you know. What are you doing, you know, what is this chanting beats, what do you know, and he might also come to preach to you. I know Bhagavad Gita. And you know that he doesn't know Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> so that is when you start, you know, the, how do you know somebody has not read Bhagavad Gita? Most of the Indians will say, I know everything. But how do you know they don't know anything? Oh, maybe that's too, too disrespectful. How do we know that they don't know the essence of Bhagavad Gita? Hmm? Lifestyle, yeah. Well, you ask them this simple question. What is your favorite chapter? A lots of them will struggle to answer what is your favorite chapter, what is your favorite verse. They will struggle. And that means they have not read the book. Because when you read a book, you know the theme of the book. Yeah? Any novel you read, you know what was the storyline, where was the climax. So any movie you watch, you know that was my main, no, my favorite hero or the fav favorite part in the movie was this. It's just natural in us to know what was the best part in any movie, any storyline, any novel. So anybody who has read Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Gita will naturally be able to tell you like this, my favorite chapter was this or my favorite verse is this. No, the favorite chapter and the favorite verse may change. That is fine. In my own experiences, no, my favorite verse has kept changing. <laughs> Every verse seems favorite these days. <laughs> Especially when Gaurang Darshan Prabhu recites it, it's like, oh my God, no, I want to know this verse. No, so like that. So that is fine. But we should have something favorite. So that's how, you know, you can... Then that gives you the opportunity to preach to them about Krishna consciousness. So attend, if nothing, more as a preacher. And again, speak less <laughs> and be a natural, you know, a good devotee. And then when the opportunity comes, then you speak. When we have Krishna is our aim, there is no shame. Hmm? can remember this point as well. That helped me. When Krishna is our aim, there is no shame. <clears throat> For example, you know, if I'm driving on the road and I don't have a destination in mind, then there is no turn, there is a wrong turn, right? If you don't have a destination in mind, then no turn is a wrong turn. Everything, oh, it's okay. But when you have a destination in mind, that allows, that, that puts us in a place to decide what is a wrong ten and what is a right, a right ten, and then you reconfigure your, uh, well, GPS will do it automatically these days. Your route is being reconfigurated. No? So then it just puts us back online. So when we have Krishna as the aim, then what is a right convention and what is a wrong convention, we can adjust as we mature into Krishna consciousness. The, the Lord will give us guidance from within. Next thing, hmm? uh, current affairs, another social convention. Our movie is Bhagavatam. <laughs> this is our movie. This is our Adi Purusha. <laughs> it has got all the, what do you call it, v VFS? Huh? VFX or something? Some that all those uh, animation things yeah, that they use in movies. So this is our, this is the movie that is playing in the cinema of our heart. No, Krishna and Radharani are the main heroes. So that's all we need. 
No? Do we need to know about the Women's World Cup soccer going on in Australia? Matildas are playing. Do we need to know about England and Australia ashes going on? Do we need to know who is the Prime Minister of Australia and Prime Minister of India? Do we need to know all this? I had that challenging thing in me at the beginning. Do I need to read newspapers? At that time, you know, every devotee was saying, at that time, throw the TV away. And TV was the only way to get news, apart from written media, of course. There was no Facebook, no, no WhatsApp, no nothing. So only TV was the way to get news. And if you throw the TV away, does that mean you become oblivious to what is happening in the world? You know, there is a flood in India. Do you don't care about it? Well, again, you know, my own experience on this. We don't have to be ignorant. We don't have to be ignorant of the current affairs. But we can be uninterested. There's a difference between being ignorant and being uninterested. In my experience, again, now, when the footy discussion was going on in the office, when the cricket discussion was going on in the office, you know, I would know who is playing where and, you know, what are, if somebody asked me who is the Prime Minister of India and if we don't know it's Modi or who is the Prime Minister of Australia, then that is not being a very good devotee either, to be honest, because we come across as, you know, people who are completely ignorant. Lack of knowledge makes us ignorant and that is not very good for preaching because to preach you need to connect to people at their level. So it is okay, you don't have to spend you know, five hours on the news, but five minutes is okay. And to, like, for example, I spend literally you know, three minutes watching the news, not watching, reading the news. I just go on age, I never go to Herald Sun. Got nothing against it, but I just find it's rubbish. Age is okay, you know. <laughs> So I just glance the age, literally, you know, I go on the app, I glance the news and I, most of the time, nine out of ten times, I just read the headings. And that is enough for me to know what it is. But if there is something that I know can be useful to my preaching, then I try to go inside the news. And that too, you know, I'm uninterested. But for the purpose of being a little bit knowledgeable so that I can connect to people, then I try to understand what is going on. So that's the next principle for me that worked in my life. You don't have to be ignorant, but you can be uninterested. And then I had this realization after this principle that I developed and practiced is that, my goodness, this was, uh, this was, uh, this was completely fascinating. Hmm? Figured out again, which is the point we made, yeah? There are, top there are so many topics that people speak in the office, right? Some of them we can't even mention in the classroom, right? Uh, a lot of them will be about sports or about, you know, alcohol and so many other things. And then we f have this situation of do we participate or we don't participate. Then I realized the only topic that is the best topic in the office from their point of view is the topic of themselves. Okay. The topic of themselves is that everybody wants to speak about themselves. And it could be bad things and good things, you know, the challenges they are facing in life. People are ready to speak about the challenges they are facing in their life. But nobody is there to give them their listening ears, emphatic listening, active listening. Nobody does that because nobody has got time. When they say, how are you? I had this, no, uh, I had this experience. Now I had, uh, for once I had somebody, you know, who was uh, Indian background as my staff. And he was, new, he was brand new in country, very smart guy, very, very smart guy, but he was struggling to find job. And he came into the office and he was culture shock, right? This is 10 years ago, right? So even more culture shock. Now it's, now it's a culture shock when we go to India, actually. <laughs> 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 it's 
different now, you know. Which country have I was in Mumbai recently only, you know, like as early as uh, four weeks. I thought, my goodness, you know, even, even Melbourne Airport is better than this in terms of the dress code, you know. Oh, it was taken aback to be honest. This is not Indian culture. So it's shocking, you know, when we go there, especially to devotees. It looks uh, like a Hollywood movie going on in the theater, in the, in the, in the uh, airport terminal itself. So anyway, so what's the point I was making? Huh? So I was saying this, people <coughs> want to be listened to. Oh, I was saying this now, so when I had hired this staff, and one person said to him, you know, how are you going? Firstly, he said, by train. <laughs> That's what he thought it means, how are you going? That's not an Indian uh, slang, right? <laughs> then I had to explain to him, you know, that, you know, just get used to some of the Aussie, you know, uh, uh, styles of talkings and all those, you know. And then, uh, then another day somebody asked him, how are you going? And he started telling his whole life story. <laughs> and by that time, and then after a couple of minutes, he realized the person is not even there. <laughs> and this is early days, like a couple of days, you know, first three days in the country, poor guy. And he said, he asked me, I was telling him, and he disappeared. <laughs> I said, it's just hello, you know, people have done time to listen to your story. But as devotees, of course, we are also busy in the office, or in the schools, or in the universities. But when you give them some time that you have, you know, if you give them some time and listen to them actively, that is the best topic for them, trust me. And they are yours. No? Once you, and you don't have to, I'm not saying do all this artificially, right? I'm just saying do, do out, all this out of affection and love for them. When you do this, give them three minutes of your time here and there. You no, know, sometimes give them some you no know, little prasadam. You no, know, give a verse from Bhagavad, not a verse from Bhagavad Gita. That might be too heavy for them. But maybe uh, uh, you can, but depending on time, place, and circumstance, or something that is more layman. You know, it is more uh, more of a proverb or something that might click to them. If you give them all this, and when they become your friends, they'll become devotees. Very easy. So, what was the lesson for me? Don't make them devotees with the, uh, oh, don't enter the office thinking today I'll make everybody devotee. I, it's a mistake I did possibly, you know. Don't go back home to India to say, in two weeks I'll make whole family devotee. We didn't become devotees in two weeks. But we expect our whole family to become devotees overnight. Yeah, It's not going to happen. So that is, just be simple, be natural, practice our devotion. No doubts. There will still be challenges, even with all these framework and principles in mind. That is fine, you know. We learn as we grow, but never ever become hostile, you know. Why I'm saying there will be challenges? Because we are drowning in the ocean. We are in the drowning in the ocean. When we are in the ocean, they are going to be waves. Will the waves ever stop in the ocean? No. And what will happen? One wave will toss us this way, and you think this is the right way to go. Then another wave will come and, come and toss us this way. Then you are just going through that convolution of what is the right way. There's waves and waves and waves of uh, alienation, confrontation, argumentation coming our way. From everywhere. From family, friends, colleagues, society. We are bombarded with all this. And then we have got our own conventions of bhakti. Where is the right protocol? What we remember, what we can remember is when we are tossed in the ocean, of turbulence, 
What if there's a helicopter on top? And then there is the helicopter person who is dropping the rope to us and saying, hold on to this mind, I'll rescue you. So that helicopter pilot is Krishna. O Srila Prabhupada. Seeing us tossing into the turbulent waves of the ocean, they are dropping the rope. And what is the rope? The chanting beads. Hold these chanting beads and chant Hare Krishna. That is the way you're going to be escaped from this turbulence. And we are holding the chanting beads and then looking at all the waves around us. My cousin, my brother, my sister, my boss, my friend, my enemy. And we are caught in this, time to time forgetting that the rope is in the hand. And some of us may have lifted our head off the water. That's some advancement out of the clutches of ocean. Some of may have been maybe a little bit more higher, but the feet is still dangling in the water. No? Unsure whether to let, whether to hold on to this tightly or go back to the water. Confused. So just know that all these waves and all this tossing is our horizontal relationships with our families and friends and society. And the vertical relationship is with Krishna because he is sitting there waiting for us to come back. So the, the point is that all these horizontal relationships will change. The horizontal uh, turmoils will change. There will be sometime affection, there will be sometime contradiction, there will be sometime confrontation, to the point there may be sometimes even alienation. People will reject us. But that rope stays there forever and Krishna is always our best visha, is the Supreme Father. So if we can cling to that Krishna consciousness tightly, amidst all the waves, then we are suited, you know, we are on the path to something that is more blissful. And that is what Prahlad Maharaj is telling his schoolmates, to say, no, your convention is wrong. Because I can tell you, there is no happiness in that. But what I am telling you is full of bliss to the point that when a person gets elevated to a higher platform, he sings loudly, Hare Krishna Mahamantra, he chants loudly the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, he dances with all ecstasy, and then he, he is oblivious to all the social conventions. So if we want to get to that stage, when we are uh, not worrying about what others think of us, and think more about what Krishna thinks of us, then that is bhakti. Yeah? So practice bhakti wholeheartedly, not artificially, wholeheartedly. And to the degree that we get jubilant, share with others, with our vibes. Hmm? Maybe less words sometimes, but more vibes. Okay, I'll stop it here. Uh, and ask for if there are any questions or comments. Yeah, is the, where's the mic going? Yeah. Thank you for the wonderful class. Uh, my question was, it's um, said that we should, um, when we, uh, one time I was going distributing books and then I tried to distribute to one guy and then he says, said to me, like, now is your time to study while you're distributing books on the street and then they take us to be ignorant and they think we are, don't know anything and then, so then how do we convince that we are doing this like, for convincing them not like we know. Yeah, yeah. So why are you not in school? Why are you not in the school but on the street distributing books? Yeah. It's a question that may be better answered by those who distribute books on the street. I don't have too much experience, but what I can add, maybe Sukhdev Prabhu somebody might want to add at the end. But what I can add to it, you, you know, Prabhupada was very, you know, when you hear him answer questions like this, how he was very uh, uh, articulative in his 
and 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 choosy with his words, you know, like for some whatever, you know. So then, in your case, you can easily say that I have studied. That's why I'm distributing this. He's saying, why are you not studying? So you could respond choosing his words as a comeback to him to say, because I have studied, I'm distributing this. So if you study this, you'll also distribute. Something like that. In other words, without becoming hostile to the situation. You don't, we don't have to argue with them to say, you know, you should also be doing, you know, you know school is a place of demons. One of the biggest challenges that parents have in, 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 uh, in our society is on day one when children go to school, in, in prep, you know, or grade one or whatever, we have to tell them, don't use the word demons. <laughs> it's like we are so uh, loosely using the word demons in, the, in, you know, in our lectures and, and, and everything else. Don't use, you know, you students are demons, something like that. Please don't say all that, you know. Oh, Hirinakashapu killed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Lord Narshimadev killed Hirinakashapu. You know? We don't have to narrate to them all these pastimes. Don't show them, you know, Hirina uh, Kashapu, you know, uh, photo on day one to your schoolmates. Show them Radha Vallabha, you know, who are much more attractive. That's why I'm saying, use common sense according to time, place and circumstance, yeah? So, choose words according to the, the words they are throwing at you, but in a very, very affectionate way. The point is this, you know, that wherever we are, whether book distribution or preaching in the school or Bhakti Riksha or wherever, we should know that our aim is not to get into a fight with them or to prove to them that we know more than them. That is not the point, yeah? Because that then defeats the whole mood. The point is that we hope that they can also become bhaktas, you know, and become happier and get out of the miseries. If I can also, again, I don't know whether this is right or wrong. I keep saying this today, yeah? And that's just the broadness of the topic. Another experience that I had in my preaching is that initially I started preaching by, making, by thinking that I will make people devotees. And, 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 and that was not as successful when I changed my mood to say, rather than making them devotees, I will give them the uh, philosophy of Krishna consciousness. I will give them Bhagavad Gita. I will give them Bhagavatam. And I will leave it between them and Krishna to decide at what time they become devotees. Yeah? So I was, I was purposefully avoiding imposing my bhakti on others by thinking that, oh my Lord, I'm only a nimitta matram. I'm only a, this is echoing now, you need to turn it off. This is only, I'm only an instrument in the preaching. So use me as a preacher. So as a preacher, I'm only giving them Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam. And Krishna can decide and they can decide when they become closer to each other. Because when we, when we go with the mood of making everybody devotees, it's like, if they don't become devotees, we are failures. If they become devotees, we are successful. That can be a wrong dogma in our head as well. Our success and failure is measured according to the pass rate. But how do we know somebody is a devotee or not? It may take them one lifetime or two lifetimes. We don't even know where they are. That, in my own experience, giving them Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam as it is, worked better because then I'm not imposing and they have got their own free will to use the knowledge as they like. Of course you have to nudge them and inspire them and pull them and push and all those things are fine but not in a very imposing way. Yeah? Okay? Yeah, thank you. Yes, Krishna? You've got three minutes. Prabhuji, in the translation it says that we have to offer respect to every living entity but 
how do we keep a check that we don't show too much respect so that people around walk over us? Hmm, hmm. So, yeah, how to balance between respecting others and not people walking over us? We should not allow others to walk over us for sure. No? We have to defend ourselves. We have to have that self-esteem. No, we should be proud. The only time we can be proud is our Krishna consciousness, not of anything else. Yeah, not of material achievements. But we have to be careful. So, no, amani na manedena. What does that mean? Man means respect. No, so amani means no respect for me, and manedena no? means to give respect to others. So, easiest way to give respect to others is by seeing the Lord in their heart. That's the simplest way. Now, if we cannot give respect to their body, then at least give respect to the soul and the super soul that's sitting in their body. And that can be anybody, even our enemies, because Krishna is in their heart. If Krishna has not rejected them, <laughs> then who are we to reject them? Hmm? If Krishna has not rejected them, who are we to reject them? Gaurangdashan Prabhu, when he was in Melbourne again, he defined love of Godhead. Remember? Huh? What was the definition of love of Godhead? Love of Godhead means to love God. To love God. Just help me if you can also remember. Love of Godhead means to love God. To love others. Yes, to love God, to love others and also love others whom God loves. That the third point was striking in my head. Love of Godhead means to love others whom God loves. And whom God loves? Everybody. Because <laughs> everybody is children, yeah? So then, you know, we respect them in that way as, you know, as, as children of God. But if they are confronting us and minimizing us, you know, and walking over us, then there are different techniques to handle them, you know? Sometimes you can let go because it's forgiveness. Titikshwa karuni kaha. You know, we can be tolerant. But if it's a pattern, no, if it's, uh, if it's uh, disturbing you every time, then there has to be some corrective action taken. So we forget, we, we forgive them and forget them maybe if it's one of, if it's a pattern, then maybe forgive them but don't forget them because they can bite back, so be careful. No? And if it keeps, keeps on happening, then we don't forget and don't forgive. Then that's when we take actions. But taking actions doesn't mean we take action in a very confronting way, in a very uh, vindictive way. You know? We take corrective action in the sense that the same person does not go and do harm to somebody else in the same way. Yeah? Why does the judge put a criminal in the jail? One is to punish the prisoner, that is true, but the other is also to protect others from being victimized by this person. So he's confined to the jail. Yeah? So corrective actions are taken. No? Otherwise, Hanumanji would not have burnt the whole of Lanka. Hmm? Because that's a corrective action taken, so that they don't go and do harm to the others. So how do we do that? It's another topic for another day, but yes, for now, forgive if you can, but if you can't, then take some actions. Doesn't mean you have to take actions, you can seek guidance from your mentors, from your parents, and then have a course of action that is a win-win situation. Yeah? Mahatma Prabhu, last question, no comment, and then we'll stop. <laughs> that will be against the social convention. <laughs> Anyways, yes, your point or comment? Comment? Oh, Mahatma Prabhu has got a, something to say. Uh, one point was, Hare Krishna, um, you said you put the prisoner in the jail to punish him and save the others. And third thing is reconstruction, to improve him. Yeah, That's most important. 100%. Yeah, to yeah. rehabilitate him, no doubt at all. Um, 
during the lecture you were talking about what do you know about Bhagavad Gita? What what chapter you so my answer is chapter fifteen. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it gives you so much summary about the spiritual world. Nirman Moha Jitsang Dosha Adhyat Minitya Vinbrati Kama Dundir Vimukta Sukhu Sangi Gachanti Mula Padmayamta. So that's what how you have to behave in the and it's a short one, twenty verses also. So very nice. this is my answer. Thank you. That very means Mahatma Prabhu has read Bhagavad Gita, see? <laughs> ah. <laughs> Not only read, but he has ex- given exams on this and he knows the slokas and he is living Bhagavad Gita. Very good. Yes, Prabhu. It's not a question, but just a comment. If somebody asks you on the road that you should be going to school, a good reply would be that I do homeschooling and part of my curriculum is to do community welfare work. Yeah. Like, okay. you know, so I'm inspired to do that. So it's yeah. a good, they will feel yeah, like, true. you know, Yeah, you can say this is part yeah. of your curriculum. Yes. Prashant Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Uh, very nice humorous class. So, okay. um, in office uh, environment, a lot of time, I face the problem that they go for the drinks and then they ask why you are not drinking. Yeah. So what's reason, uh, palatable reason uh, uh, yeah. we should give to them? Yeah, give them Charnamrit. Hare <laughs> Krishna. <laughs> uh, Krishna. Again, no, uh, uh, as I said, I don't know the, what are the you know, prescribed answers, but I can just tell you my experiences. You, yes, I can tell you my experiences. I was lucky. I was lucky because I was working. I. I was lucky because I worked for a mining company hmm? and this is maybe Krishna's arrangement. Because I worked for a mining company and the mine was you know, all over the world but we were the corporate office in Melbourne. Because there was a zero alcohol policy at the mine site and just so that they don't complain, the head office also adopted the same policies of zero alcohol in the office. Unless of course it was Christmas drinks and whatever, right? but inside the office they were uh, zero alcohol policy, no, and there were random breathalyzer tests as well. To be honest, in the office, no, all of a sudden they might just come and test you. So we had zero alcohol, zero drug policy. But they would go out, as your point is, you know, they would go out and socialize and drink on Friday nights, on footy events and Christmas and all that. So when ever I, I tagged with them to such occasions, and if the question was asked to me, you know, why are you a teetotaler? Why are you not drinking? My answer would be very simple: I've got a zero alcohol policy. <laughs> If you have a zero alcohol policy in the office, then I've just extended it to zero alcohol policies in my whole life. That was one answer I would used to give when I was very new. But then as I grew up a little bit more, then I was a little bit, maybe you can call it a little bit more cheeky. <laughs> and I would give them a little bit of dosage, you know, to say that it's not good for your body, you know. Like, I know you are drinking because you are distressed, but I have got another way to distress myself, which is much better than alcohol. Because, yeah, it might distress you now, but it will create more problems in the future. Dialysis is waiting for you. Hmm. I won't say those words, not in those ways, you know what I mean? But in a very nice way, no? not very so. Remember the point is not to minimize them, yeah? otherwise they will hate us. The point is to win them. So in a very nice friendly way say, you know, that it's just not good for my body and I, you know, I do it for my health. And then later on you can tell them, you know, we have got much better food. Come to temple and one of the best prasadam is khachari. Which is waiting for us, Mahatma Prabhu? Kichari is waiting for us. What do we do? Kichari or you is the choice. Hare Krishna. What is your answer when you are asked, why don't you take meat? Why don't we take meat? Yeah. Yeah, because as simple as that, you know, that, uh, that uh, cruelty against animal. 
No, we have got zero cruelty against any. There are so many answers you can give, time, place, and circumstance, depending on the person you are talking to. If it's my office mate, whom I mingle around every time, then I can be a little loose with them. Yeah, you can say things on the spot. But if you, if it's a stranger, then you measure your answer. But many things you can throw. It's cruelty against animal. We don't kill. Then you can say, you know, we only eat prasadam. There's so many ways you can say. And it's, you know, read the book. If you really need to know the answer in detail, anybody, read the book, The Higher Taste. In the beginning of that higher taste, which is full of philosophy, then the recipes. The philosophy is very nicely laid out. You know, it talks about the social reasons not to eat meat, the ecological reasons not to eat meat, the economical reason not to eat meat, the health reasons not to eat meat, the financial reasons not to eat meat. It is a very good book actually in the front. You know, all those things are very nicely laid out section by section. So many reasons, and you can just pull one out of, one of them out like that: economical reason, ecological reason, social reason, environmental reason, financial reason, health reason. Reasons after reasons, yeah? Better than meat is khichri on the top. So we'll stop here and go and release that khichri. Shilapad Bhagavatam ki? Shilapad Prabhupada ki? Yeah. <laughs> 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 No, she, uh, she made a point, no? She made a point.